this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host ji sampath in the last 10 years indian banks have written off loans worth about 10 lakh crores this helped the banks reduce their nbas by almost 50% but tellingly they were able to recover only 13% of the loans written off a very poor rate that raises many questions especially because it is not easy to get a loan from a bank and banks have many options for recovering loans another interesting aspect of the write offs is that the bulk of the npas are from big corporate borrowers and the npa rates among smaller borrowers such as micro enterprises or small enterprises is much lower why does a bank write off big ticket loans and why is the recovery rate so poor and what is the effect of this trend on taxpayers individual borrowers and depositors and more to the point for many of us why is it that banks never seem to want to write off home loans or personal loans to the same degree we explored various questions around loan write offs in this episode of in focus and we have with us vivek call business columnist and author of the easy money trilogy Vivek, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Sampath, for having me. So, Vivek, can you explain to start with when and under what circumstances does a bank decide to write off a loan or a bunch of loans? Okay. See, uh, first we need to understand what exactly is a bad loan. A bad loan is essentially largely a loan which hasn't been repaid for a period of ninety days or more. Now, a bad loan uh, essentially remains what. a bank calls a substandard asset for a year and a doubtful asset for 3 years now why do they do this they do this primarily because they need to provision money against these bad loans what do you mean by provision money we can you just explain it for so let's say you know let's take a situation where bank has a 1000 crore bad loan from a corporate okay now uh, in the first year the, the loan is what is called as a substandard asset and the bank will provision 15% or 150 crores against this bad loan so essentially this means setting aside 150 crore rupees from the profits that, that that the bank is making or from the profits that the bank has made or from the capital that the bank has against this bad loan okay so you have 1000 crore bad loan and then you have essentially provisioned 150 crore rupees from your current profits or your past profits against this loan in the next 3 years the bank if the bad loan continues to remain a bad loan the bank needs to provision further 85% so in this case it would mean provisioning 850 crores against the 1000 crore bad loan so at the end of 4 years the bank has you know a reserve or has 1000 crores set aside and it is now in a position to write off this bad loan so in in that sense a bad loan uh, writing of exercise is what is known as an accounting eventuality okay the bank follows a certain process and in that process it sets aside enough money against the bad loan to be able to write off that bad loan now you know compare this to a situation where the bank is not setting aside money over a period of 4 years and it has to do this suddenly at the end of 4 years so then what happens is it now requires all of a sudden 1000 crores instead of that amount being uh, essentially provisioned over a period of 4 years so this is how you know a, a bank ends up writing off 
loan. Now, this does not mean that the bank has to wait for four years in order to write off a, a bad loan. Now, if it feels that you know it, it, it is not in a position to recover this loan, uh, it can write off that bad loan even before four years. So, the decision ultimately lies with the bank. Okay. Okay, so basically, uh, that it doesn't really mean that. Does it mean that the borrower is now off the hook, off the hook because the bank has written off his loan? No, it doesn't. So you see, this is the beauty of uh, economics and finance. Terms, um, you know, you think a term means something, but uh, it doesn't really totally mean that thing. Okay, so what uh, these write-offs are essentially what the Reserve Bank of India calls a technical write-off. Now the write-off happens at the headquarter level of the bank and the loan disappears from the balance sheet of the bank. But the write-off does not happen at the branch level. So at the branch level, the recovery efforts are supposed to continue. So that is how uh, this entire thing is structured, which is why you keep hearing all these politicians, you know, uh, from, from the UPA and now from the NDA. They keep reminding us that uh, uh, write-offs are not waivers. So, Okay, great. So you are saying that this is a technical thing and uh, at the branch level, there will be efforts made to uh, continue to recover, etc. Et okay, so now why does this benefit not, I don't know if the benefit is the right term, but why does this not happen when, when say an ordinary citizen, say you or me, take a home loan, for instance, the bank takes the home as collateral and that probably is like what you use, what the term you use, provisioning. The collateral sort of takes care of the provisioning aspect for perhaps the entire value of the loan. So why don't banks take some form of, do they take any collateral when they lend to yeah, big corporates? I mean, all, all lending, you know, except for probably uh, personal loans of small amounts and credit card outstandings and education loans of small amounts are against uh, collaterals. Now, you know, the reason banks did not uh, write off uh, loans at a retail level, loans, you know, home loans and stuff like that is because the defaults on that loans, on those loans are very, very low. So once there are no defaults uh, or very low defaults, the loans are not categorized as bad loans. And when loans are not categorized as, as bad loans, there is no question of writing them off. So it's essentially a function of the fact that small ticket retail loans are of you know lesser risk for banks than large ticket corporate loans and hence there are low, lower defaults and hence there are lower write-offs so see write-offs ultimately are a function of defaults and uh, bad loans so okay so so you are saying that the banks do take collateral so does the collateral you, you give an example of a thousand crore loan so would the collateral be for thousand crores yeah i mean you know the collateral will be there the, the, the problem is you know at the time of taking the collateral uh, it, it, it might be worth a certain amount. and But when you try selling it, you may not be able to recover that much amount. So essentially what, what happens is uh, it's, 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 it's a little tricky in the sense that if you lend against a large infrastructure project, okay, the, the repayment of loan largely depends on the cash flows generated by the project and not the collateral offered against the loan. And the collateral can often be inadequate. Also, you know, what happens is uh, it's easier to recover a loan defaulted against, let's say, something like a cement factory than recover a loan defaulted against a bridge or a road. Also, it depends on uh, which sector is in fashion. Okay, so let's say I'll give you a very good example. Uh, two of the biggest recoveries that happened uh, were against, uh, you know, where when Bhushan Steel was sold and when SR Steel was sold. 
so uh, and and the the reasons the rate of recovery in these cases were, was was very high was because the steel cycle was on the upswing so essentially people wanted assets that could factories which could produce steel i mean you know you have a running factory so you don't you just need to buy it the cost of setting it up would have been much more so which is why these assets were sold at at prices which helped banks recover a sub- substantial portion of of their uh, of the loans which had been defaulted on now compare this to something like a textile industry you know so there the companies uh, textile companies which defaulted uh, hardly found any buyers and the rate of recovery itself was very very low so you know the asset may be there but uh, that asset may not be uh, in in fashion at that point of uh, time uh, also what happens is you know in, in cases where uh, companies are uh, you know when asset stripping happens which essentially means that uh, you are unable to sell the company which defaulted on 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 the loan but now you are stripping its assets and selling them one by one now that needs a specialized market in itself so let's say there is a factory which is defaulted on its loans now its machines uh, need to be sold so in the first case you need someone who understands those machines who can value them then you know need to you know need the infrastructure or you need companies which can dismantle those machines then you need people who can move those machines to from the seller to the buyer then you need people who can install those machines so it is a you know it it is a extremely uh, complicated process and the infrastructure for this does not you know it it does not uh, develop in 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 half a decade it needs time right so you spoke about you gave the examples of sr steel and bushan steel and said there we have had uh, good recoveries because of the nature of that certain question but how do you account for the fact that overall the recovery rate is so poor is 13% like wh- why is the recovery rate so poor you have all these as as i explained one is uh, you know because uh, like you know there are many power sector uh, assets which have defaulted on loans now it they are not in demand right now the similar for textile or uh, you know if if a company doesn't go through the resolution process and you know it, it's sold asset by asset you know the process to essentially the infrastructure to be able to uh, carry out uh, a recovery through that process does not really exist would we have companies like rcl and all yes yeah, it's, it's not you know there are asset reconstruction companies and everything but they really haven't uh, Uh, taken off uh, in that process you know there are there are problems there as well because uh, a lot of banks are not comfortable uh, selling on their uh, defaulted on loans to these uh, asset reconstruction companies so it's ultimately see it's it's something the entire bankruptcy process has essentially come into the being only in 2016 so it it's something that takes time Okay, and, and and quite a few of the defaulters, big ticket defaulters, are real estate companies, right? And uh, and you, you, is it possible that the banks are struggling to recover because the real estate market is not? Uh, that that is see, real estate is responsible for a whole host of problems across uh, this country, you know, including the fact that uh, banks are unable to recover on the loans that uh, these real estate companies defaulted on, and. Uh, it's a uh, you know i mean real estate has has its own uh, whole has its own set of issues i mean let's not get get there because then you know we'll be deviating from what we're talking about so right right now coming to the nature of uh, the npas and the write offs in question here i mean out of this 10 lakh crores which were written off i mean the bulk of them are 
big ticket loans given to big corporates and and if you look at the corresponding sort of uh, picture for uh, mudra loans for example to small enterprises and uh, mid, uh, micro enterprises the npa rate is just 3.3% despite the kind of uh, tough time they went through with the covid lockdown so how do you understand this contrast is it like uh, big ticket loans get less amount of due diligence from banks compared to smaller amount to small businesses like how do you understand this contradiction so you know i'll try answering this in in a few ways because this is a complicated problem and it it doesn't really have a single uh, simple answer to it okay now the first thing is uh, there is an american uh, economist uh, who goes by the name of thomas sowell and there is a urdu poet uh, who goes by the name of wasim barelvi so wasim barelvi has a couplet and uh, in fact my book bad money starts with that couplet which says that garib lehron par pehre bithaye jate hain samundaron ki talashi koi nahi leta which essentially you know the the closest equivalent of this is what george orwell uh, you know wrote in uh, the animal farm when he said that <clears throat> all men are equal but some men are more equal than others now uh, this is the you know the <clears throat> sort of the literary explanation for the entire phenomenon now there is a uh, you know there is there is an explanation that stems from economics as well there are quite a few the uh, one of them uh, uh, is essentially uh, something that thomas sowell calls uh, talks about in his book uh, wealth poverty and politics where he he discusses the concept of separation of knowledge and power okay now how does it apply in this context well, let's say you are you are a manager in a public sector bank now as a manager uh, you let's say have the knowledge to make the right decisions but you may not always have the power to do so now when you're carrying out retail lending you're giving out a home loan or a mudra loan or a personal loan or whatever you look at the ability of the borrower to repay the loan and then decide whether to commission a loan or not okay so you know the point is that when the lending happens on merit uh, automatically the the bad loan ratio tends to be lower which is the case with uh, almost all retail lending okay but when it comes to lending to large industry and corporates there are people out there who are trying to influence the manager's decision right from bureaucrats to ministers to local level politicians so in this scenario the the manager uh, has to end out you know there there are chances and it it is known that the manager has to end up giving out loans even to those corporates who do not who he thinks or she thinks may not have the wherewithal to repay it right so this has happened though uh, having said that it is difficult to quantify as to what proportion of loans happened because uh, of you know some politicians phone call or some bureaucrats uh, influence and so on the other thing you know that needs to be taken into account you know everything is essentially not about uh, uh, corruption and influence now there is something that uh, you know another uh, economic theory which is referred to as minsky's instability hypothesis minsky being the american economist hyman minsky and uh, the the instability hypothesis at its core is very very simple and it essentially states that stability leads to instability now what does this mean it essentially means that the mistakes that uh, you know the mistakes are always made during uh, a stable economic era so when india uh, grew at more than 9% uh, between 2004 and 2006 you know, and this is as per the old gdp series uh 
essentially an environment was created where everyone and anyone thought that you know india would be the next china okay and in that environment you know the enthusiasm and uh, the 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 positivity the bullishness uh, etc were so high that banks and especially public sector banks went uh, uh, you know waving around checks and gave out a lot of loans which they should not have okay now uh, also a lot of these banks did not have what one would say that uh, the 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 ability to decide whether to lend money to an infrastructure project or not they had very little experience of lending to infrastructure projects and they did not realize that a lot of delays could happen in the indian context and these delays happened and they are pretty well documented and they 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 the delays happened because of you know whole host of things lack of environmental clearances a lack of non environmental clearances Yes, so see, Vivek, you said about three fourths of these NPAs are big ticket corporates. I mean, how much? What percentage of them are infrastructure loans? Because one gets the impression that most of the NPAs are infrastructure, but we also have all these diamond uh, traders and all kinds of people taking loans and sort of running away and not. Uh, yeah, so there are, which is what I'm saying. You know, there are people. You know, there is there is a, a Nirav Modi, then there are a lot of these. Uh, there are other guys who have taken on loans and and, and disappeared in fact uh, the the government answered a question in parliament a few years back and named at least 50 people on that list so i mean i can't give you a hard number because as i said you know this is basically requires someone to do uh, exact research and tell us as to what proportion of this was because of corruption and what proportion of this was just uh, you know were just bad lending decisions you know that level of uh, data that level of uh, research hasn't really happened or maybe you know the data is with the with the regulator and with the banks and not available in the public domain so right yeah that brings up of course the question of transparency as well well you spoke about you know you said all this this whole concept of all men being equal but some are more equal than others i think what what to mean in this context is that all borrowers are equal but some borrowers are more equal than others i guess Yes, and, and you spoke about separation of uh, knowledge from power, which I would imagine is a different way of saying corruption without using the term corruption. But interestingly, uh, I was just going to ask you this question. I think you've already answered it. If you look at India's NPA percentage, it is in the six point six percent range, whereas most developing economies, as well as advanced economies, NPA uh, as a proportion of overall loans is in the one to two percent range. And where does six point six percent put India? It puts it in the company of uh, oligarch-friendly states, if I may use the term, such as Russia, Italy, Nigeria, and so on. So, so it sort of begs the question: Is the high NPA rate due to the stability instability factor? Yes, could be. Is it due to the other factors you mentioned in terms of separation of knowledge and power? Of course, uh, I think the answer is uh, waiting to be sort of uh, inferred uh, from whatever we can. So moving on to the next uh, question, I wanted to ask you. See, we've written off, as we said, we as in the Indian banks have written off ten lakh crores in ten years. So in a layman's term, it's not a good thing. I mean, to put it bluntly, it's a kind of a loss, or however you look at it. But at the same time, this year, most commercial banks have shown record profits. So how do you reconcile these two things? Ah, I mean, see, it's it's but natural, right? Now they have been able to clean up their. See, ultimately, when you write off a bad loan. you you end up cleaning up your balance sheet so over a period of time as you know bad loans are written off uh, profits go up so it's like a human body right you know when when you when a human body suffers an injury it needs to 
take medicine, rest it out. And once the body heals itself, it, it goes back to uh, where it originally was. So it's it's just a function of that. Is, is it like a human body healing itself? I have actually an, an analogy from my own uh, personal life, daily life. If I, may, if I may talk about it, I make these to-do lists every day. Okay, There are like 10 things or 15 things on it. And then uh, every day I start the list again. So there are a few things which, which are carried over. And after a point, I just cross out whatever I haven't done and I don't think I can do. So if there are 10 things I cross, I do two. And then I cross out the remaining eight. Doesn't mean I've done those remaining eights, but I have a clean list. Is it something similar? No, not really. And, you know, in the sense that the balance sheets are actually clean because uh, all these loans... But you haven't got the money, right? You haven't got the whatever you gave out, you haven't yes, got it Yes, but back. then, you know, the banks have been recapitalized to that extent, right? So, so you know, you know you're being unhealthy and then coming back to health comes at a certain cost. So that cost has been incurred. It has been paid for. Yeah, and which is why uh, the, the profits are, are, are back. So it's not like, uh, you know, the profits are back on it on, on their own. I mean, the, the banks have written off loans. The, it, the, their balance sheets have been recapitalized and now they are doing well. So so now the question is whether they'll they'll be able to continue to do well in the days too. That That is the million dollar question. No, I, I see your point, but uh, coming back to one thing I'm not able to understand. See, you say, you spoke about how why it is important to sort of clean up the loan books and, and get the balance sheet right and recapitalize and so on. Fine. But shouldn't the priority uh, be to recover the loan in by whatever means rather than bring down the NPAs because the two are not the same, right? Huh. See, you know, you need to, one is, I mean, I, I get your point. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, given the inability of the system to recover loans, the, the banks cannot be made to depend on loan recovery in order to be able to get back to doing what they're supposed to do, right? And, you know, ultimately, the Indian economy needs these banks. And given that the government is uh, the owner of, of, of the banks, so if it wants to continue owning these banks, if it wants to ensure that these banks continue to be in operation, it has to essentially uh, get them to write off the loans and recapitalize these banks. Okay, so so coming to the recapitalization of banks, uh, where does the capital for recapitalization of the banks come from? Is it from the taxpayer? No, I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, it's it's complicated. Let me let me just explain. So, see, up until I think 2017 or 2018, uh, essentially the allocation for uh, the the recapitalization of banks came directly out of the budget. Okay. Now, what happened was that these allocations started, uh, and you know, as bad loans become became bigger and bigger, these allocations obviously also became bigger and bigger. So, what the government did was it essentially postponed the problem by coming up with a neat accounting trick. Now, what it does is, uh, if a bank, let's say some public sector bank has to be recapitalized. So, what the government does is it issues something known as recapitalization bonds. Okay. Now, let's say the bank is to be recapitalized to the extent of 10,000 crores. The government issues bonds worth 10,000 crores, promising a certain rate of interest on, on the bond, which varies from anywhere from 6 to 8%. Now, the bank which is to be recapitalized buys these bonds and hands over the money to the government. The government then uses this money to recapitalize the bank. Now, what does this do? Now, it is essentially a neat trick in order to postpone the problem. You know, one, the government does not spend any money from, uh, immediately spend any money, which uh, would have to be allocated from the budget. 
Two, it obviously needs to pay interest on these bonds. Three, what happens is that you're postponing the problem because you will have to now pay the bank when the bond matures. So most of these bonds which have been issued, recapitalization bonds, have matured between 2028 and 2036. So basically by doing this, uh, the government essentially ensured that the taxpayer of today does not pay uh, for recapitalizing these bonds, but the taxpayer of tomorrow will eventually end up pay, uh, paying for recapitalizing uh, these bonds. So ultimately the money does come from the taxpayer, but at least not immediately. Okay, not immediately. So uh, look, I wanted to uh, just conclude with uh, getting you to pitch in on one final question, uh, which is also to do with the taxpayer in a sense. So these uh, massive write-offs, uh, which are, as you said, uh, necessary for the banks to continue functioning with a clean loan book. Uh, does this mean that the burden of recovery, if it comes to that, would fall disproportionately on uh, on the middle class who are taking uh, their own sets of loans, such as personal loans and so on and so forth? Or maybe the small and medium enterprises, maybe, in case there is a situation. I, mean, I know you are saying that the default rate is lower, but whatever it is, it's not zero. So would it mean automatically that the focus on recovery is more there than where it could have been? Uh, yeah, I mean, see, it's it's how life is, Sampat, na, uh, in, in the sense that uh, you obviously bully the person you can, right? So you, you don't bully the person you can't. So ultimately, you know, if you and I have a loan and if you and I are in a position, are get into, God forbid, into a position where it is difficult for us to repay the loan, the bank can just, you know, send us a legal notice and, you know, essentially, you know, scare us and in, in, in a way ensure that we continue repaying the loan. So that is how it is. But the, a similar tactic may not essentially work with a large corporate. And obviously, you know, at, at the end of the day, there is uh, something that, you know, John Maynard Keynes said, and it's again something that I open my book with. And Keynes essentially uh, said that uh, if you owe a bank a hundred pounds, you have a problem. But if you owe a bank a million pounds, it has a problem, right? And, you know, the economist had a had a modern day version for it, which essentially said that if you owe a bank a billion pounds, everyone has a problem. So, and obviously, a large borrower knows that, right? Right, I guess I think that the trick is to be, uh, to become in whatever way possible uh, too big so that you don't have a problem, it is a bank that has a problem and uh, you become unbullyable as it were. Thank you so much Vivek for uh, joining us and sharing your thoughts and insights on this very complicated, tricky but fascinating question. Banks and NPAs and write-offs and recoveries, I think there's a lot more to discuss. We'll probably come back some other time. So thank you so thanks, much. Thanks, thanks. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.